Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Well, hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, and here with Todd Atkins. Good afternoon. Ooh. Yeah, that works. Right, right I'm after. I'm working afternoon. on different things. I can't, I can't keep doing the what thing. I'm getting too old. Now. That works. <laughs> that works. Well, today we are excited to be joined by David Putman, who is a senior lead navigator with Exano and author of the book, Breaking the Discipleship Code. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, even as we, we share your title, Senior Lead Navigator with Oxano, those listening may go, well, what exactly does David do? Does, has he help, you know, GPS systems? What exactly does that look like? So explain <laughs> for those listening what that means and what your work uh, entails. Hey, this is really my opportunity. My dad introduces me. This is my son, David. I'm not sure what he does. You know? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, he's in his 80s, you know, but... Yeah, so we're a group of consultants, uh, Clarity First Consultants. We help churches get really clear about what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they're doing it, uh, when they're successful, and where God is taking them. And I'll give you the entire outline. You know, so we work with uh, a lot of churches across the country, just helping them facilitate a process to help them be their very best uh, who God created them to be. Love that. Well, you know, you're so just it's all about vision. Yeah, Clarity yeah. first, as we would say. For sure. And the, so many, you know, we've heard so many great things about those churches working with Oxano. So really thankful for for all that you guys do. Todd, were you about to say something? Sorry. I was. I, I would say um, I think the most important thing or the most important missing piece that churches often have is a lack of clarity around their vision. And so it's easy for us as a church to say, Oh, well, the purpose is really the great commission. Um, and, and yes, that's true. But, and and yes, God's, uh, plan a for your local community is the, the local church. I mean, that that's, that's it. That's his chosen vehicle of implementation. However, we often fail to say, okay, well, what does that like look like? What are we driving toward? How can we be on the same page? So if you don't have clear vision and then clear strategy uh, on achieving that vision, especially in today's day and age, you'll have vision drift, mission drift, you know, all the buzzwords, but it's really easy to do if you're not clear on that and you don't have you know, values that reinforce that vision and, and help everybody know, you know, where we're going um, and, and how they're fitting into it. And that's, I think, what Oxano does better than anybody out there. And so very grateful uh, yeah. to have David on. But the, the other piece of that is his own personal passion and desire and work in the discipleship space is has has been prolific uh for a while so um and we'll i do i already told david i wanted to have him back on to talk about discipleship uh specifically but i mean there is there is nothing that cuts to the core of the church more than more than that so yeah absolutely and and todd we would say you know that uh, we would talk a lot about hey what's our great for the church what's our great permission with the great commission you know, so what does that look like? Every church is called, obviously, to make disciples. Right. But what does that look like for every unique church? We're all very different. 
And so what we find oftentimes there's, yeah, and you nailed it, uh, there's an identity crisis around disciple making. So what we want to do and how I sort of apply the two worlds of vision and disciple making together is we want you to get really crystal clear about um, your disciple making identity, what that looks like for you. And, you know, when when as an individual or as an organization or church is in our specific lanes, that lane, that's when we're going to be best in the world at it. And so that's what we want to help churches do. Got a huge identity crisis today, and we want to help churches get super clear about where God is taking them. So, yeah, I it's really taking me everything I have not to go into a discipleship conversation because... David and I will see each other two or three times a year. And I always, I just know that I can immediately go deep with him. It's one of the, it's one of my favorite things because I'm like, whenever I see David, I'm going to go have a compelling conversation and I'm going to be, I'm going to think about things differently probably when I walk away from it. So man, really appreciate you. One of the things I will say is um, I'm a book guy, but I'm also a, a workbook guy, and I know you are too. Talk very briefly about the, it's, I want to say it's Gospel Disciple Life. There's a micro strategy uh, workbook yeah. that you put together that I, I want to, and then we'll dive into the five leadership questions. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. let's just talk about that. So, so super quick, go to amazon.com. No, here's, here's a little book. <laughs> if you're listening, you're not seeing it, but if you're watching, you can see it. And it, you can see it's just uh, it's just a really a journal I put together, and um, so it's it's, it's um, I call it the hammer. And what I've discovered along the way is you can talk theory all day long, but if you want to see movement uh, of you know an individual level or an organizational level, you got to put tools in people's hands, and they got to be simple, reproducible tools. And so this is uh, a tool. It's not the only tool. It's a pretty basic tool for really uh, it's getting at five different behaviors that we're trying to see reproduce in the life of every disciple. And um, and so it's sort of, you know, without going into the details of it. But example, behavior number one is daily surrender to King Jesus. You know, so it's designed to use daily. You right. Know, it's designed to get at lordship and hey what does it look like to live a surrendered life today you know uh it's designed to encourage multiplication you know so one of the questions we ask in this journal every day is who am i going to invite next and i mean literally in my own personal life i'm asking that question every single day i'll give you one story and then we'll move on But like this past Friday, I was going into have my car service, my truck service, excuse me. And I was going to look at upsizing my truck because it's a little Tacoma and I need a Tundra for some reasons, just mostly man reasons. But um, <laughs> anyway, so I went over and um, I had been eyeballing one. So I got in it and drove it. Guy was in the back. My wife was in the front with me and I just heard him say something about his Bible study group. And so I let it go by. And then a little bit later I said, Hey, well, let's talk about, let's talk about your story a little bit. And so we began to share and I found out that he was a Christ follower and um, I kept digging and kept finding out more and more and more 
about um, this particular dealership. Before it was over with, I probably had met a half a dozen uh, Christ followers in the in the dealership, and then before it was over. Uh, I was answering that question, who am I going to invite next into a discipling relationship, which was Tony, who I met, you know. But even before I went over, I just felt like the Lord says, hey, just be aware, you know, take a listening posture here. And it was just amazing how when you have a tool like this and you're asking the right questions of yourself every day, like, who am I going to invite? It just sort of brings the right things to the forefront, you know. So, again, this is a a workbook or it's a hammer uh, designed to really facilitate. And what it does better than anything in the world is, and we've had to learn some of this, is it helps us reproduce disciple makers. So it's really designed not just simply to produce disciples, but disciple makers. And obviously that's a bigger conversation, but that's the thing that changes everything. You know, when we start reproducing, not just simply disciples, but disciple makers. So when I see Tony, I see him as a person of peace in the largest Toyota dealership in the Southeast. And now I've got an open invitation into there where I see it now as a harvest field, but hey, if you have the right tools, you know, uh, what if you had a church full of people that are processing their relationships through the lens of invitation, you know, so that's just an example coming out of that workbook. I think uh, people who have listened to the podcast for a while will very much recognize that I, they've heard me say at least a dozen times, our churches are full of good and godly people who aren't capable of asking a good coaching question to save their life, but perfectly capable of having a great conversation, a mm-hmm. compelling conversation, a convicting conversation. Why? Because they have a framework, they have a simple tool, and the Holy Spirit is there and it's going to show up. I mean, you know, I, I know we sometimes can downplay uh, that or don't often think of that, but, you know, you're showing you're willing and you're showing that you're caring because you are intentionally using a tool. And I love that you use the analogy of a hammer because <laughs> it's simple. It's intuitive. Yeah, you know what it's for and you know what it's for. And anybody can use it. You'll have a result uh, for sure. All right, Chandler. So here's here's the first first question. Did you did you end up getting a tundra? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hey, uh, I actually did. There you go. go. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, Tony. He had to. He had to, Chandler. And it looks just like my hey. And it looks just like my Tacoma only is twice the size. My Tacoma grew up over the weekend. (laughs) I love it. Well, hey, let's let's hop into the five uh, questions here. And the first one. Is this? Hey, can I, I'm, I'm sorry, but you should ask how I convinced my wife. That's the most important. Let's, first yeah, let's, let's, let's hear it. How, how in the world did that take place? <laughs> I won't go into that, but she's going to enjoy. She she has a um, aspiration to camp. 
you know, she wants an RV. So I said, there's a process to getting the RV. Started. Oh, there you yeah. go. There you go. But the problem is now, I've, now I'm committed. <laughs> yeah, you know? now, now you got to go RV shopping. <laughs> That's true. It's a trade-off. Life's a trade-off. There you right? go. That's true. It's a great leadership lesson right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, well, David, as, as you are, you know, you're speaking with churches, uh, consulting, even as you're putting together these type of tools, of course, you're going to be learning uh, a lot, trying to distill that, synthesize it and uh, for others to learn from as well. So who, who are you currently learning from? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a, a great question. And, you know, I think there's, um, there's probably three sort of areas that I feel like I'm really learning from right now. And uh, one is, you know, sometimes our, our learning comes out of an assignment. So one of the assignments I have is I'm working with exponential.org. Uh, church planting organization that are really trying to get after level five church planting, which level five church planting is church planting churches that are planting churches that are planting churches to the fourth generation and beyond, which is right at my wheelhouse anyway. You know, so they've curated and written actually, uh, you know, just tons and tons of resources. And so with Oxano, what we often do is we'll go into a group like that and create some tools and processes for them around our clarity first model. And so I've been developing a process for them and I have been just, there's been a great need for me just to dive into everything that they've written. And when I say everything they've written, I'm talking about thousands of pages of materials, you know, not so much because I necessarily wanted to, but because I needed to. But the flip side of that is um, it's put me in a position as a learner one, it complements where God is already taking me, you know, so it's been a labor of love. But it's also forced me to be very disciplined about not only reading, but learning everything they're writing, you sure. know, being able to even apply it. So that, you know, that's been so all of this is, you know, disciple making multiplication, which is my wheelhouse. I think the second, just to unpack all three real quick is um, anything that relates to disciple-making movements, I try to keep getting my hands on. Uh, and most of this is going to, most of the readings are going to flow out of experiences out of the global South, where we see a thousand plus disciple-making movements around the world. And then, then we sort of unfortunately say, hey, we don't really have any or very many that we recognize in the global north or in the west, as we might call it, you know. But um, but for me, I want to know everything I can, you know. So if it's got disciple making movement on it, I was thinking about this question. You know, it might be a book like Contagious Disciple Making, David and Paul Watson. Uh, they're good examples of that. There's a couple of guys in the U.S. that are doing it or trying to do it. And so, you know, I want to learn from them. But then the third, let me just keep moving. The third, and 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 I've saved this for last because it sounds like the right answer, and I don't mean for it. <laughs> but probably the most impactful reading I do is reading through the Gospels. And I mean that. I, I read through the Gospels systematically, continuously. So I start with Mark, and I'm usually taking other people through, Todd, as part of the disciple-making stuff. But the amazing thing is, I mean, if I'm sitting down with a 
pre-disciple or what I call a new disciple or somebody who's been at a long time. I love being around pre and new disciples because they bring such an interesting perspective to the gospel that I miss sometimes, you know. But um, I think, uh, but for me, every day I'm going to read the gospels systematically. And I've been doing that since probably, gosh, I'm trying to think back how, how long ago I started. 2008 is when I started systematically reading through the gospel and made it part of my daily rhythm. So, and, and then the amazing thing is I've got my Bible open now, uh, Mark 4, the parables of the kingdom. I can't tell you how many times I read the parables of the kingdom and reflect on them because so much of what I'm doing now in disciple making, I'm learning from the parables of the kingdom as God unlocks them, and I begin to see them more clearly. So when I say I read the Gospels, there's times that people ask me, what are you reading these days? And I'm like, Bible? You know, and, and I'm not trying to be fantastic, <laughs> but that's the only thing I'm reading. And so uh, you happen to catch me at a time when I've done a lot of reading. But uh, oftentimes it's just I'm in 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 the Gospels just because of the journey God has me on, you know. So, yeah, it's 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 great to hear. And it's a great reminder that oftentimes it's just coming back to the basics uh, of reading through the Gospels and seeing new things. And even what you're saying there, it's there's a beauty in also reading it with somebody who has a fresh lens. Yeah. Um, and that's that's so refreshing. One, one question I wanted to ask when you were talking about reading so much of what exponential has put out there how are you you know somebody who's going through and wanting to maybe preach on a certain theme or is just doing some research on it how how are you kind of documenting because it's it's easy to read and then not really digest what you've read you know you hear people be like oh i've read 52 books this year and you're like so what'd you learn and they're like <laughs> uh I learned that I can yeah. read 52 books and not retain anything. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. how are you going through that? Is there like a system that you have to make sure that you are well, seeing the themes and documenting what you're, what you're reading? Yes. So, you know, now I'm, I, I don't think that I just naturally create the kind of systems that I hear others creating where they're retaining uh, so much. I typically, if I'm just reading a book, I read it, you know, but I think one of the um, values for the way I'm having to read is I'm, I'm reading is we actually have a process outline, you know, that that we're working through, that we're building. And so I'm really reading around these five different systems, you know. But I say that, but that's not what I normally do. But but I would say having the structure has really helped because we're having to retain so much of the content, you know. Mm -hmm. Then secondly, what I've discovered is rereading. You know, like I can't tell you, I mean, I could hold this one book up called Multipliers, and if you look at it, it's falling apart, you know, <laughs> and it's falling apart because I've reread portions of this book dozens of times. And um, what I've discovered along the way is that there might be that there's some, some consistency across the materials that at least they're producing. So that's helpful, you know, because I've, there's a lot of common conversation that's taking place here. And so I think, and I think this is important in any reading that once you understand the basic 
construct of you know, or, or format or whatever you want to call it, that an author is is trying to communicate, then it's a whole lot easier to, to read it. So I think it's really important to sort of step back. And I understand that regardless of what I'm reading with Exponential, it's probably going to relate to five levels of multiplication and three dimensions of multiplication. And so that becomes sort of the overall outline for anything I read. And and to be honest with you, if it is not pinging on those things, then I recognize that it's it's, it's probably not as important, you know, because I know I know the the authors, I know the organization. You know, so that's a little bit. So one of the things you have to understand here too, I think, is I know David well, and I know Oksana well. And so a part of it is like a lot of people can read a great book, but then fail to apply it. Yeah. Fewer still know how once they can figure out how to apply it to themselves, actually implement it. And so what David is doing is coming alongside exponential and you know this this framework that's uh, it's it's great but if you really want it to be carried forward it needs to be put in the form of a hammer <laughs> it needs to be put in the form Absolutely. of something that people can actually the tools that so i love i love you because it's very similar you and brian are very similar to brian rose very similar to my brain in that I'm thinking, okay, how can I make this into it? Whatever I read, how can I make this into a visual? How can I make this into a tool? How can I get somebody to understand where they are, apply it to themselves? And then what's the exercise that we can do to have them implement? And they may not implement all of it. It may be implementing a part of it, but it's really cutting up the cutting up the steak. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing I appreciate about our organization is our biases in execution, like making something work. And so, um, you know, it's just a natural thing to create a tool to make that happen. Yeah. Right. And so so I guess where I was going with that is you're, when you're doing that, you know, it's, it's always, uh, hey, you know, if you want to learn something, teach it. And I would say, oh, absolutely. great. Yeah. Well, well uh, okay. Then that's one level. If you want to get to the next level, train somebody on it. If you want to get to the next level after that, it's, it's really coaching because a lot of those conversations, no matter how well you think, you know, a subject and the, as, as much as you're an expert on it, the more people you interact with that are, um, at different levels of competence and understanding of that, whatever concept is, yeah. they're all going to hit it differently. They're all going to teach you something and you're going to learn even more along the way. Those, those, uh, you'd never grow out of discipling somebody else. Yeah. You, it, you never do. And it's going to, it's always going to hit you every time you do. It's going to hold you more accountable. They're going to ask questions that make you consider something you never thought you had, you haven't heard in the 30 years you've been doing this or whatever it is. I mean, it's great. Okay. Sorry. I'm getting way off topic. No, well, I, I like that. And, and for me, you know, one of the things that I've recognized, you know, just talking about this one relationship and re- we're talking about reading, but um, the other thing, the, the reading I'm doing is in my lane. You right. know, like, like it is something I care about. Mm-hmm. 
and it's something that I'm passionate about, and it's something that I live out every day. Matter of fact, they they put some words to stuff I'm already living. So I really appreciate that. And I think one of the uh, things that how God has wired me is, you know, I, I'm a I'm a learner, you know, and I learn by asking questions. And that's another piece of it, Chandler, is, um, you know, I'm I'm I got the advantage because I have access to the authors, you know. So I just call them up and ask them and I get to do that. But I think you'll be surprised that, you know, if somebody reaches out to me and say, hey, I've been reading your book and I had some questions. You know what I do? I schedule a call with them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think we have more access than we realize we have access to, you know. Yeah. I'm like, uh, it, it's funny because through the years at different times, you know, I've been incredibly busy, but at other, other times I've been um, not so busy and people will say, hey, I would bother you, but I know you're just busy. And I'm sitting there thinking, I wish somebody would call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's something you want to talk about. You wrote a whole, you wrote books on it. So it's like, yeah, it'd yeah. be very interesting. Yeah, we care, we care about this stuff. We care sure. about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This, this somebody... next question. Oh, no, I was just going to say this next question may dovetail right into this. It may be a new topic as well. But if we'll see where it goes. Yeah. What is the main point of emphasis for your, your team or yourself right now? Yeah, so um, I, th- I think, you know, what I would say for what I'm doing now has everything to do with multiplication, you know. So the, the main point is helping churches. Like, I think everything it, – it's funny. I was just at the Exponential Big Conference. This is the last time I saw Todd, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And I'm just – I'm doing – uh, a lot of presenting there, pre-cons and workshops. And, but everybody seems to be sitting on the edge of their seat, like in an unusual fashion. It's like every, like everybody, like the usual 10% that walk out when I start talking, they're not going anywhere. Like they're listening. You know, like people are listening. They're not like I'm always talking about something I feel like is a little bit on the edge. And sometimes it's hard to receive it if you're not there. But I just sense that everybody was just up on the edge of their seat, sort of hungry. And I said, what's and, and multiple times I would just stop and say, what's going on here? You know, like it was that obvious. And it was I said, do you feel like you're in between? That would that was the question I asked a number of times, and the people are just like, "Yes, we just feel like God is doing something new, and we don't want to miss it." And so I think I really believe that. I believe that COVID is a reset for the church. I think historically, I know things have come back to normal, but they really haven't. Uh, you know, I think they look normal because there's still churches that are growing because everybody moved around, still moving around. But we're not reaching the lost world like we did at one point, you know. But I think that's coming. You know, I think it's coming. I, I've had so many conversations here recently, people that are finding Christ. You know, it's just it's just crazy. But so I think, you know, what we're trying to do with our team is get them ready for what's next and to help churches navigate. You know, again, I think it's navigating from this uh, from a sort of program orientation to a disciple making orientation. I I believe that's next. And so that really does cover uh, color 
uh, everything I do, you know, everything that I work on, everything I say. And, you know, I would just say that, you know, I think and that has bled over to our team. And I think our team embraces that. You know, I don't lead the team, but I think I get to influence the team. And I think we're all in the same place, you know, that we realize that it's not just simply getting clarity around what a church wants to do, but how can we help churches manage cultural change from within? You know, how can we help them uh, align around a disciple making identity that's going to move them into the future? And so that's what I find myself working on and talking about and living for. I'm living for that. That's what I'm living for. I just want to ask my own questions. I don't want to ask. Go for it. No, no, no. Ask, ask away. Because we haven't had this conversation yet, David. Um, We did have a conversation where uh, I was talking about, there's a new curriculum from Lifeway called um, Hi-Fi that's coming this fall. And the beautiful thing is it strips away. It distills down the underlying principles, uh, theology and, you know, pedagogy and philosophy and framework. It has that as you would expect from a Lifeway product. Right. The difference is it assumes, you know, nothing, you have zero biblical foundation or knowledge. And, and, and I think that's beautiful. We're now talking about church practice a little bit. Um, I had breakouts there at, at exponential as well. And I couldn't believe it it is. I think people are hungry and I think the in-between thing that you identified is really interesting because we did have this conversation there about, Hey, the four, the the fifties, 1950s, sixties were, we moved from a formation model then into a predominantly teaching model, then to an attractional model. And I would say what's really interesting to me is I think a relational model was there and connected to the formation model, but it was assumed because our churches were smaller, our communities were tighter, etc. So I don't think we can assume that anymore. And that relational element needs to potentially come back into a formation model of discipleship where we're basically we know where we're taking somebody now i know you and i are well i don't know if you're different than me on that or not i i know that you are probably i'm probably more strict on i love systems and structures and right you know uh everything but i want like feed off of that for just a moment like Let's have a conversation because I really want like whenever you speak, I just like I want I need to have a conversation with them and I'm not going to miss the opportunity, even though um, we're supposed to be asking the five questions and we've only made it through two. Absolutely. I mean, there there really are five simple things that um, and this has been this is radical, you know, like, for example, we are having um we have multiple streams with over five generations of disciples in and around us 
through different relationships. So, you know, and not always in my community, you know, like I'll have guys that I've been mentoring, discipling long distance, and they'll say, how many generations of disciples do you have? And I always try to be conservative and say, oh, I guess we have two or three generations, which I would be proud of, right? Disciples making disciples who make disciples. And they'll say, well, man, we have five over here. I know you have more than that. So, so we are seeing, you know, multiple streams of disciple making, and all of them are built off of what I call just five principles. And to me, Todd, use the word systems and tools we've talked about so far. And I had one of the, the guys that who has five generations. He's the first guy ever discipled has five, now five generations of disciples. Okay, in my local community. And that's another story, wonderful story. But he told me that he texted me the other day and telling me how he wants to mess with the tool, you know. <laughs> and and I'm like, man, the thing works. What's wrong with you? You got five generations of disciples. <laughs> you didn't even have one when I met you. <laughs> now you, you texting me and telling me what you're going to do to Just keep it. using the hammer, man. Doesn't need to change. No, I'm kidding. They're really. But what I told him was, I said, I don't care what you do with it as long as you don't mess with the principles. So I think, you know, the thing that we discovered, and here's the interesting thing, is I believe this is the same principles that others are dis- discovering everywhere, you know. But I think it, it really doesn't. The tools can change. The systems can change. And obviously, you know, there's, there's a radical difference between the relational aspects of ministries in the 50s and 60s and the relational aspects of ministries today. You know, our culture is radically different today. Completely different. You know, our worldview that we, our starting point, (laughs) you know, is, is light years apart now where it used to be very similar. So we no longer, I think it was George Hunter who said years ago, probably in the 90s, he says that we no longer, back in the 90s, 1990s, that's a long time ago, right? 30 years ago. He said we no longer have a home court advantage. Mm -hmm. He says if at best we play on a neutral court, most often on a hostile court. And I would say today we play on a hostile court, like almost all the time. Like even if we get invited to play at all, yeah. you know, and and typically we're not necessarily getting invited. So we live in a totally different world. But my point was these five principles I think are key that that are right for our time. But I also think they transcend time because hmm. a lot of um, you know, I'm older than a lot of guys, and one of the um, you know, back what so I became a Christian in '79. Okay, so 1979. So that dates me a little bit. I was 20 years old and or 19 years old. Uh, so uh, but what it, it's funny to me that what worked then is all of a sudden working now. But I think it's all principle based and the uh, principles that there are five that we talk about. And, and they're simply it's got to be simple enough to reproduce. So systems. You know, and that's the whole challenge, like working with a group like a church or uh, uh, Exponential or Lifeway or whoever it might be. It's taking the complexity that we all tend to bring to the table right. and like literally boiling it down to the simplest form we can get it. But that's the genius of like Apple. That's exactly what 
how Apple approached things. You know, that's the genius of people like Elon Musk. You know, if you listen to what they're talking about, we got to get it simple enough to reproduce. Secondly, now we're talking about disciple making and tools and church and all that, but I think this applies to it all. Simple enough to reproduce. And then we would say, I would say the gospel is our curriculum. That's another principle. And I would translate that a little broader for the church as a whole and say the scripture is our curriculum. Now, you know, I work with Lifeway. We produce curriculum. I'm for curriculum. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, with what we're doing with um, disciple making, it's focus on the Gospels. We get to the other, but we start with the Gospels. Okay. Right. And then the Holy Spirit is our teacher, following Jesus, our objective. And that's a big, big thing. And then lastly, relationships are our vehicle. So what we've tried to do is distill everything down to these five simple principles. And then we would say, hey, I don't care what tools you use or what systems you build if they line up with these five systems. Because we found these to be the five, five simple principles that just work in any context, you know. So I don't know if that's where you're going or not, but... It, it is. I mean, what the the thing that you guys do that I think even provides the bandwidth to do that is church growth movement. I was part of it yeah. and, and, and all that. But we have added so many different things to the plate of church, so many different opportunities for the people that come through that. They yeah. don't know what's important. And we put them on a cruise to nowhere very easily in our churches. And and we can say, well, oh, this is discipleship and this is evangelism and this is whatever. Yeah. But we don't have we haven't stripped away some things. So I think one of the beautiful things that Oxano does is when you define that vision, your vision and values, then you've got enough clarity to say, OK, well, yeah, there's 19 different things in our church that people would say are discipleship like if they were arguing for why it should be there it was, oh well this is discipleship They're like no we don't need 19 different things we just need well, a few or plugging yeah, this system or plugging your your five into those perhaps but i think that's a big problem that we have our people it's not that they're coming uh we have less people coming as we have people coming the people our people are coming less like there's so many of those things, too, that even active, engaged followers of Christ are giving us less and less of their time. Yeah, so. it's, it's an interesting time. And, and what I would say, and just pinging off what you just said, there, there are two things that I want to that I think we have the opportunity to do. And I think Oxano, I think we do this pretty well. And one is there's this macro discipleship culture that's got to exist, you know, so macro being big. So there's this, you know, every church needs a culture of discipleship, but sometimes we confuse the culture of discipleship with the micro tools of disciple making, you know, so we end up calling everything discipleship. We talk about it all the time and we offer one program and one class after the other. But reality is we're not really making disciples because, you know, we're and and I say that. I mean, yeah, we're probably making disciples. But the problem is you got this macro discipleship, which addresses the equipping function of the church. How do we create and equip our people 
to live out the Great Commission. And that's what we do at Oxana. You know, that's, that's what help you get that macro level of culture down where you know what you're going to offer, you know why you're offering it, and you're producing one outcome. And then the second, so macro discipleship, then you got to, and we get it one way or the other, where regardless of which side of this you're on, and that's the micro disciple making tools. You know, at the end of the day, you can have a you can have a culture of discipleship, but you got to got to get the hammer. You you got to have the toolbox where you are uh, able to build. And here's what I think is the big difference is it. it in the attractional church, help me. And by the way, I've planted several of them <laughs> and have been a part of helping grow large, large attractional churches. OK, but anyway, the, the point is, the point is, is that we've got to get, you know, we've got to get back down to the micro level where in the attractional church, oftentimes we that were staff, we were the disciple maker and everyone. And we lived in the upper room. We recognize our, our Oxano construct. Right. Uh, and um, in the lower room was our disciples and they were the seekers and, 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 you know, whoever they might be that was coming the religious and the irreligious. And they were identifying with Christ and they were coming, but, but, they were disciples, but our staff, we were the disciple makers. In the new paradigm, we've got to switch that around. And the thing that will change and transform any church is when we go from making disciples to making disciple makers. You know, so we've got to have macro equipping, you know, culture. But at the end of the day, we have to have disciple making tools that produce disciple makers, which is simply what disciples who make disciples. And if you have if you look now, you asked me earlier what I've been reading. I said the gospel. Look at Mark four, the parable of the sower. One of the most amazing parables. And it's the very first parable Jesus tells about the kingdom and about how his kingdom grows. And he says, hey, there's four types of soil. There's a good soil. We all know it. I'll cut it real short here. And when the seed finds good soil, what happens to it? Grows 30, 60, 100 fold. Well, Jesus is probably trying to tell us something right there about how his kingdom grows, how his church grows. And so if you keep reading that, then he's going to go into an interpretation of those four things. But before he gets there, he says something that I missed for years. And what he said, in I think it was about verse 14. I actually have it underlined right here. Verse 13. Listen, this is NIV, but he says, Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? He just gave the four soils, 30, 60, 100 fold. Listen again. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So what he's saying is you got to get this parable first. Like if you don't get this first, you're not going to learn. This is the foundational parable that unlocks the kingdom of God on planet Earth. I'm being a little bold today, but I'm telling you that's what it is. And what he's saying is my kingdom grows through multiplication, not addition. Now, can it grow through addition? Absolutely. But you'll never see a movement based on addition. You'll only see a movement when there's multiplication. 
And so that this is so what all I'm saying is what would happen if the little struggling church out there running 85 all of a sudden caught a hold of this and said, hey, we just need a handful of disciple makers. Imagine what two. Listen, I'm a hundredfold guy in my own community. I fully expect this dealership story I shared with you earlier that we're going to see. I'm, I call those harvest fields in my CrossFit community is a harvest field. And I've, I've just handed it off or in the process of handing it off to someone else because I'm a catalytic apostolic kind of person. So I'm moving on to the dealership now. You know, <laughs> start, start something new. Hopefully I'll get a, maybe a free truck out of it. <laughs> 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 That'd be awesome, right? Oh, man. Hey, I, I, I've heard that story. I, that's never my story. <laughs> right, like right. You charge double for that. Right. Oh, man, it's funny. But think about it. 30, 60, 100 fold. And how that has impacted me mm-hmm. is um, uh, Jeff is um, a hundredfold. He's a hundredfold guy. And he is the first guy I discipled in my CrossFit community, you know, and now they're and, and give it. Let me read. Let me read one more. I told, I'm telling you, man, it's in the scripture. You don't have to go far. OK, now listen to this one. OK, here's one more. This is right below there. He also said this is verse 26 of chapter four. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Like a man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how. You you hear that? And and, and let me tell you, so once you but but you gotta have the first parable for that to happen. You gotta sow the seed and it's got to grow 30, 60 fold. And when it starts growing 30, 60 fold, guess what? You go to sleep and you wake up and you see that the field, the harvest is growing and growing and growing, you don't even know how. Now I'll give you an example of this. So I disciple Jeff and um Disciple uh, a bunch of people. This drawing back here, you can't even see it, but this drawing back here just represents. Can you sort of see that now? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That drawing represents my discipling relationships in my local community. Okay, and it, and and uh, it's not current, but it was an old picture I drew. But um, so I've been really traveling, hitting it hard, and I don't like to do that so much because I. I love what God is doing in our local community and it takes me away from it. You know, we all feel like we're irreplaceable, right? <laughs> and so uh, the other week I was back home after being gone for several, several weeks and not being in a one-on-one intentional relationship at that time. And I um, had met with Jeff, I think Jeff that morning. Anyway, I had gone over to uh, a local little greasy spoon waffle house. You'll recognize them probably. And uh, it, while I was in there, I ran into at least four different groups of discipling relationships that had came out of something I had done a, nearly two years earlier. Mm. I didn't even know these people, but I, I recognized them because I would see them at the gym and they were coming. Because, I mean, it was ridiculous. And I just thought, well, that's that's what it's talking about, you know. That's what it's talking about. We got eight uh, microgroups meeting in Denmark High School, students in Denmark High School. I don't know a single one of those persons. You know where they came from? Came from Jeff, hundredfold. Hundredfold disciple maker. Well, who I poured into. David, man, we, we could talk 
hours about this. And that's exactly why Todd at the beginning was like, we're going to have you back on to talk specifically <laughs> about know, discipleship. No, no, no. No, it's amazing. Man. There's so much to glean from it. And um, man, thank you so much just for the time today. And thank you for, for walking through a few of the leadership questions with us. But hey, we, we got five questions in there and it was it was great. It's Todd's fault. It is. It's <laughs> my fault. Always Todd's fault. Always, always Todd's, Todd's fault. fault. First, so that's one of our five principles. It's always yeah. Todd's fault. <laughs> exactly. Well, David, exactly. thanks for joining us on the podcast and thank you for listening. Hey, we thanks hope, for having me. Absolutely. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, please head on over wherever you listen to the podcast. Leave us your rating and review and we'll see you next time.